How's it going, everybody? This is Chad Minton, and I am really excited to bring you a brand new podcast from the Hockey Podcast Network entitled Catfish on Ice Covering the National Predators. Very excited as a Nashville native to be bringing you this new podcast. I'm going to be getting into a lot of great topics covering one of the craziest teams in the league, the Nashville Predators. Fun team to watch. A lot of changes going on with this team right now. So it's no better time to be starting a new podcast covering the Nashville Predators. Again, my name is Chad Minton. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chad underscore Minton. I'm also a site expert for Predlines.com on the fan-sided network. So I invite you to go read my content there. We do a lot of good stuff there as well. Um, and my first episode tonight, like I said, excited to bring it to you. I'm going to be getting into the Preds offseason. It's been a crazy, hectic offseason, so I'm going to cover that in my first topic, uh, first opening discussion. So really going to be diving deep into my thoughts on the Preds offseason and kind of how I feel like they're going, what direction they're going in, uh, because they've kind of been going uh, in neutral or even backwards these past couple of seasons. So we're gonna look. I'm gonna look over this off season and kind of talk about whether I think they're going back in a positive direction. Uh, then uh, we're also. I'm also gonna bring in some awesome guests with me, some uh, good friends of mine that are over at Predlines with me, and we are gonna talk about potential breakout players for next season. And we're gonna hit some other really big topics to close out the first episode of Catfish on Ice podcast. So let's get it going here. I'm going to get into the Preds offseason right now. It's my opening face-off. I'm going to do that every week on my episodes. I'm going to do the opening face-off, which is going to be a main topic that I want to cover, one that I want to get deep into. So what better topic to start off with first than the very busy uh, Predators offseason? Every team, quite frankly, has had a hectic offseason, but the Preds have been busy with their roster moves. They've made a lot of changes, both additions and subtractions. I'm going to get into the additions first. Um, start with a player who many people, including myself, have had a hard time pronouncing the last name. But Mark Boretsky comes in. Uh, I probably botched that name. I will get better at it, I swear. But uh, he comes in here, and he's going to be a huge part of our defense. He's going to help with the penalty kill. Um, he was a uh, he, he's built a career on killing penalties off, being an enforcer, blocking shots, making it harder on the other team to uh, score goals, and that's what the Preds need badly. So I think that uh, pickup there immediately fills a need. So Mark Boretsky comes in, very excited to have him in here. Uh, can't wait to see him on opening night, first game of the season. See him knock some guys around into the boards. We need more of those types of players on the Preds. He's not going to bring a lot of offense onto the team. Uh, <laughs> I think he's got like – I'm going to check this out here. Yeah, he's got like 15 goals in his career since 2011. So he's not going to come in here and score a lot of goals. But that's okay because he can fill other needs, and that big one being defensive grit and grind, put guys in the boards, make it harder on the teams to score goals and make life easier on the goaltenders. Um, let's, uh, I'm going to talk about one of the more exciting players that I'm about that's coming on. Uh, one of the players I'm more excited about, I should say, and that is Luke Coonan, who is uh, joining the team via draft day trade. We saw Nick Menino get dealt, and we see Luke Coonan, the much younger 
uh, Luke Coonan come in here. He's uh, hopefully entering the prime of his career. And that's why you should be excited about the addition of Luke Coonan because this guy uh, has a lot of upside. I think he could easily turn into a 20-plus goal scorer. Uh, we don't know how many games are going to be next season. We're thinking mid-50s. So I'm going to discuss – when I'm discussing uh, goal totals, I'm going to go at a pace level. So for me, when it comes to Luke Coonan, I like to see him at that 20-goal pace. If he comes in here next year and he's on a 20-goal pace, then uh, we should all be really happy about that. Uh, he's probably going to fit in on the second line with Matt Duchesne to start off with. That seems like the best spot on the roster. But, of course, we don't know. We don't know how training camp's going to look. We don't know what the coaches are going to evaluate there. But that's kind of an early assessment of where a lot of people think Luke Coonan's going to fit in the lineup. So he comes in here from the Minnesota Wild. Uh, speaking of that, we've also got uh, another player who can come in and bring us some depth, bring us some tenacity. Possibly, he's not again not going to bring a lot of offense, but that's going to be Nick Cousins, who uh, last played for the Vegas Golden Knights, but played most of last season with the Montreal Canadiens. He comes in here with not a long career, career track record. He's put up 41 goals, 57 assists in his career. Uh, last season, 10 goals, 15 assists. But he's, again, going to bring a lot more than just goals and assists. He's going to get hits. He's going to block shots. He's going to maybe even step in the faceoff circle. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to have Nick Cousins. I think he's another one. Him and Luke Coonan are the ones I'm. I'm very excited to see because I think they're going to bring us quality depth, some um, young toughness to our lineup. Um, so again, Nick Cousins, another addition there. Then you've got um, you've got Matt Benning who's coming in here. Um, not a lot on Matt Benning other than he's probably going to fit in on the third defensive pairing. That third defensive pairing has been a huge disaster for this team, most notably last season. Uh, no consistency, no. Not, n nothing that you can just trust about the third pairing last year. And so Matt Benning's going to come in here and hopefully bring the bare minimum of what you ask for a third pairing defenseman, which is don't mess up, don't make horrible turnovers, be in the right spot on the ice and uh, in your minimal time on the ice. So we're going to see what Matt Benning can bring there. Again, I don't know if that's a big upgrade or not, Again, that's something we're going to have to wait till the games are seen, and we'll see what we feel about with Matt Benning. And then finally you get the veteran Brad Richardson, who drove a heart, a, uh, drove a stake into the heart of all Preds fans during the Stanley Cup qualifiers by scoring the game-winning goal that ousted the Preds in four games. It was horrible. I remember it like it was yesterday. And um, now he joins the Preds. He's not even a big goal scorer. That's the irony of it. And he's uh, coming in with eight over 800 games of NHL experience. So that is definitely a positive. If you can play that many games in the NHL, then I don't care what you say. You're doing something right. So I'm hoping he can bring in some leadership for sure. Um, solidify the fourth line because uh, you got to have a strong – uh, fourth line just as much as you need a strong uh, first line as far as I'm concerned if you really want to be a legit contender in the NHL and so hopefully Richardson can come in and fill in that Austin Watson role I'm thinking um, he's not going to come in and do a lot you know if you're seeing a common theme here with these free agency pickups 
you're, you're not seeing a lot of offensive upgrades here. What you're seeing is defensive grind um, and guys who are just going to make it harder on the other team to score, which is important because our goaltenders got carved up big time last year. Our special teams was awful on the penalty kill. So you get guys like this who are coming in who can maybe uh, – Brian Richardson, he can maybe step in on the face-off circle, win some face-off, key face-offs for us uh, when he's in the game. So those are your free agency pickups. Um, nothing blockbuster there at all, but you've got guys who are going to fill some key needs that the team has. So then let's get into to the losses for the Preds. Plenty of losses as well. well I'm going to start with the toughest one to take for everybody mostly. And that is the loss of Craig Smith. Still not over it. I will never be over it. He's one of my favorite Preds of all time. Um, just you can't help but respect the guy's tenacity, his drive to win. Um, and now he's gone, and it's hard. <laughs> you know, you lose him, and you think the Preds could have figured out a way to keep Craig Smith. He goes to the Boston Bruins. How are you going to replace Craig Smith in the lineup? I'm looking at all those previously mentioned um, free agency pickups, and I don't see a player on there. Maybe Nick Cousins. Maybe. I don't think he's a 20-goal scorer, though. So you're losing a lot of offense with uh, the loss of Craig Smith. So we're going to have to wait and see how the Preds can replace that one. Um, then you got, uh, you got again, like I mentioned, uh, Nick Benito's gone in that trade for Luke Coonan. I see more or less why that one had to happen. You're trading youth and entering the prime of his career for a player. You're trading away a player in Nick Benino, who's fair to say past the prime of his career. But I got to tell you, Benino was one of the more consistent players on the Preds last year on a roster full of players who weren't consistent. So, again, much like Craig Smith, that's a tough loss to replace. Um you figure Luke Coonan's that guy that can maybe replace that production. But Luke Coonan's going to be on the second line. So you, uh, Benino was mainly on the third line. So that's where you bring in Nick Cousins or you move up. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how John Hines um, fills up this lineup going into that first game. There's all kinds of predictions out there, roster pro projections. You can look at all of them. Plenty of them out there. I've even done an article for myself. Uh, uh, covering that on predlines.com. Um, it can go either way. We're going to have to really wait and see how training camp rolls out and see how these players are performing and just see what the coaching staff really thinks of who to put where. It's going to be critical to make the right decisions on that. But, you know, Benino is going to be a hard one to replace, but I also see why the team made that, made that trade. And then you've got the loss of uh, Mikael Granlund, um, a lot of people aren't going to miss him. I can understand that because he was a huge bust when he was traded and, and brought over here for Kevin Fiala. That was a trade that a lot of people were excited about, including myself, and he just never lived up to it. You know, he was close to being a 70-point scorer on two separate seasons for the Minnesota Wild, and then he comes over to the Preds, and he's a shell of himself. Very frustrating. Didn't work out. He never fit in with the system. And oddly enough, there's actually rumors out there that the Predators might be interested in um, in, in Grandland again. 
because Granlin still hasn't been picked up by anybody, which should tell you something there. So I'm all for it. If they can get him for a very reduced price and put him back in the lineup and, you know, then you come out ahead because guess what? You got him for a much cheaper price and maybe he can, he can come back under Hines under a different system. And, uh, you know, he was performing a lot better under Hines than he was under Peter Laviolette. So you never know. So it's interesting that the Preds are somewhat interested in him, in him again. He's still out there to be taken. So we'll see what happens with that. But as of now, he is another departure for the team. You've got Austin Watson, who I mentioned earlier. I don't have a problem with this loss at all. Um, not taking anything away from the guy. He did some good things for the team. He was here for a while. Uh, blocks a lot of key shots. That was the thing that a lot of people knew him for was he would throw his body on the ice and block some really big shots. He took some blows with the puck. So for that, he deserves our respect. But honestly, I don't think the Preds are losing too much. Uh, he was very um, inconsistent. Uh, he would disappear. He would fill up a lot of ice time with basically no value whatsoever. And so, plus he couldn't win a fight. I don't remember the guy ever winning a fight. He would pick a lot of fights and put us in um, bad situations where we had to kill off penalties, but just didn't bring a lot of value to the team, honestly. So I don't think that's a tough loss. Yannick Weber's gone. He was a mainstay on the third pairing. He was a lot of times he was a healthy scratch. Not no problem with that loss either. And then of course the final one is Colin Blackwell, who uh, was lost to the New York Rangers. That's a tough one for me. Not as big as like a Craig Smith or anything like that, but a lot of people liked Craig, uh, Colin Blackwell and the way he um, played the game. Hardworking player. Got out there and did the dirty work, but could also score some key goals. That was one I was hoping the press could figure out how to hold on to, but he is gone as well. So that is a lot of roster movement I just went through there. Um, took me a while to get through all that. So that, in turn, gives you a very different team, one that's really hard to put a peg on. I put them as a fringe playoff team. After all that offseason movement, I put them as a very hard team to predict for. That could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. They could go either way. They could be a last-place team. They could sneak into the playoffs again. That's really where I have this team. And until we start seeing some games played, uh, it's really hard to predict what this team's going to do. But it was definitely a busy offseason. And so that's kind of where the Preds are at right now. That's my opening face-off segment. That is something I'm going to do every week. I'm going to cover an in-depth topic. I'm going to go in on it. I'm going to answer your questions on social media once you start sending them to me. And uh, I'm going to really get into the biggest topic of the week that's facing the Preds. And so what better way than the Predators offseason to start off episode one of Catfish on Ice podcast. Uh, coming up uh, in the next segment, I'm going to do a roundtable with a couple of uh, friends of mine. Um, I'm going to go to Rich Howe, who's a contributor for Predlines, and CJ Wodoshek, who is also a contributor for Predlines. They write over there at Predlines with me. Great guys. They know a lot about the team. They bring a lot of expertise. So they're going to join me uh, coming up in the next segment, and we are going to get into some potential breakout players. For the Preds next season, there's a lot of candidates out there, a lot of players you can say this guy is going to take it to the next level in his career. I think the Preds need several breakout players next season if they are going to avoid slipping further back in the uh, pecking order of their conference. And so we're going to get into that next. Can't wait to talk to the guys. Uh, come right on back to Catfish on Ice podcast.
Hey guys, welcome back to the Catfish on Ice podcast. This is your host, Chad Minton. And now we're getting into some uh, breakout players. I'm being joined by Rich Howe, who is site contributor for Predlines.com. He covers a lot of really awesome uh, National Predators content, so I'm excited to have him join me for this really good discussion here. We're going to be talking about potential breakout players next season for the Predators as we have a very new-looking roster, a lot of changes. Um, hey, Rich, how you doing, man? Cool, man. Very good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Very good. going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, when I'm looking over uh, breakout players for the Predators next season, there's a lot of candidates you can really go over. You can uh, you can bring up a lot of uh, interesting cases for who you think might break out for this team. I actually think the Predators, to really get back into being a legit playoff team, they are going to have to have multiple players have what you would pick out seasons. And that definition of breakout can change for each player depending on what point of their career they're in. So uh, me and Rich, we're going to kind of like talk about some of the breakout players we think are going to be for the team. I'm going to start off real quick this whole discussion with a player that I feel like a lot of people are going to uh, agree with, and that's going to be uh, Ellie Tolvanen, who has uh, been one of the biggest prospects uh, on this team for a while now, and people have been patiently waiting for him to make that NHL jump on a consistent level. He's only got like seven games of NHL experience, and I think the table is really set for him to um, have what you would call a breakout season by his standards. And that would mean actually playing a regular full-time uh, NHL slate. That would be one one key to being considered a breakout year. But also, obviously, getting in on the power play, putting together some goals. And if he ends up on the second line, which is what a lot of people are saying is very possible, then he's going to get a lot of really good opportunities to uh, really jump on the national uh, level, putting up goals, making highlight reels. And seeing him make that NHL jump for for good, uh, Rich, how do you how do you see Tolvanen? How do you feel about Tolvanen going into next season? Well, I definitely feel he's going to be on the second line. Um, I really think that this is this has to be it for him. Like they they really need to look at putting him on. He's been a prospect for a very long time. Um, I think this will be his year. I mean, it, it seems like. I don't know if he's got some dirt on David Poyle or something, but they are very high up on him. <laughs> they really <laughs> like him a lot. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, once they once they get him in there and, and actually just get him some time playing, I think he'll do good. Yeah, I totally – yeah, I agree with you. Uh, he definitely needs that consistent uh, playing time. I think that's really important. Uh, he hasn't gotten those long stretches of – games where he can develop and build his game but which is great but what's going on that's great has me really confident that he's going to be ready to go is getting that in the khl right now uh we've seen a lot of players being lent to the other leagues other tournaments right now as the nhl is still trying to figure out when this season's going to get started and so tolvanen's out there and he's kind of producing at a half point pace right now half a point per game pace so not exactly where you would like to um, see his production, but at the same time, the KHL is a very respected league, um, yes. and he's getting that really important. Uh, he's getting that important development. So I think that the table is set for him for sure. I got another breakout player here, and this is one where people are going to say, "Well, how can this guy be considered a breakout player? He's already been in the league for a while and established." But I'm going to throw Matt Duchesne into this conversation, and the reason why is because you can 
call it a breakout because he hasn't he didn't really do that for the Predators last year. Now he's going into his second season. You've got a new coaching staff. You've got a different set of circumstances. And I'm really excited to see him settle down, use his undeniably great skills that he has as a puck handler, as a his vision on the ice, making the players around him better. I don't need to see him go out there and put up, you know, 40 goals, 35 goals. That's not the type of player he is. But I do want to see him being more involved in the offense, piling up those assists, making the players around him better. And I want to see him lead a very productive line, which didn't happen on a normal basis last year. It was a huge letdown that he didn't lead more productive lines. And so I'm looking for him to really break out and find consistency on this team. I will consider that a breakout for him if he can find some consistency. Do you agree there, Rich? I totally agree. I think um, the, the key to him is I really feel like he came into his own in the last a couple games they played in the qualifiers. He really seemed to step it up a lot, and I think he was playing up to his potential. And I think when um, – he took a lot of flack for that offsides call in the in the qualifying game, and I think that that might have been a wake-up call for him. And I feel that – It was so we're gonna see a different, Yeah, right. And I think we're going to see a different Matt Duchesne once the season starts. I, I really – I want him to succeed a lot, basically. So give me some of your uh, give me some of your breakers you got, Rich. I know you got a few of your own uh, you think can come onto this team and uh, really keep this team from falling to the division basement, which I'm afraid they're kind of teetering on that spot of are they going to go backwards even further or are they going to stop the, the the bad trend we've seen over the last couple of seasons and they're going to actually move this thing forward again. So, Rich, give me some break players you got. Yeah, so I'm really excited for the defense um, next year. I'm really excited that they're getting some players that have the, the hockey term, the grit, or whatever they use. Um, my first yeah. one, this guy is a really hard worker, he seems like, from the from the, the footage I've watched. It's uh, Mark Borvieski. I'm really excited to see him come on. I think he's one of the uh, – someone they need. Um, we watch too many games where um, they just got – the Predators just got bullied. Uh, they just got uh, pushed around too much. You know, you, you play um, you play Dallas. They had good good results against Dallas, but, you know, Dallas is a tough team and there's a bunch of rough guys. And, you know, the Predators just got pushed around. I think Borvieski is going to not allow that to happen, and that's, that's really what I'm excited about seeing. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, I think that – uh, he's definitely going to bring some defensive stability to the team. Um, one thing people got to realize about uh, Borvieski is he's not going to come in and put up offensive numbers like you're used he's to not. seeing. No, from yeah, I was even Matias at home. He has come right. in here and he's been. He's going to come in here. I'm hoping to really get a penalty kill. And uh, that's where I'm looking for him to make a big breakout. So that's that's a really good uh, – there. You got one more for us, don't you? Yeah, I do. The, um, so I did an article about where they're going to slot all the players next year. And I really think that they're going to put Borvieski on the third line. And I think his partner – this is my second person – is going to be Matt Benning. Once again, not a huge scorer. 
not really a scorer at all, but I think he's another one of those tougher players that, that the Predators need. Um, you know, you're going to have, obviously, Yossi and uh, Ryan Ellis are going to be on the line. And then I think the second one is still going to be Ekholm and Fabro. I think they, they're going to leave that alone. But that third line, they really struggled last year. And I think having these two tougher players together is really going to uh, help them a lot on the defensive side. Yep. So you, yeah. So with your two, with your two breakout players uh, making such an impact on the defense, what you're getting is hopefully these two guys can make their career, their new career tra trajectories go with the Preds for the long term. We're hoping these aren't just rentals. We're hoping these are guys that can be here to stay. Hey, because these guys still have plenty of years left on their uh, NHL careers, and so really find their footing, find their home here, that'd be a really good thing for the, for the Predators because all of these deals were very team-friendly deals, if you if you uh, notice that. Yeah. So yes. you can get these guys, if they can come in here and really find some, some, some comfortable here quick and really make an impact on this team, those are really two really, really good players. I'm going to wrap up our uh, breakout players discussion. We've put some good ones out there. I invite you to give me your own breakout players on Twitter at Chad underscore Minton. I would love to – discuss this more in future episodes. I got one more breakout player. This is one I'm probably most excited about, and that is Luke Coonan, yeah. uh, the youngster coming over here who was traded on draft day for Nick Benino, which was a tough player to see go. Um, I Definitely. did not like it like it at first seeing Nick Benino get traded away because he was one of the more consistent players on the Predators last year. So now he's gone, but you know, I'm excited about Luke Coonan because and the biggest reason why is he is entering the prime of his career. And I think the current trajectory he's on, just coming out of Minnesota this previous season, I think he can easily become a 20-goal goal, twenty goal scorer. But I'm not looking just for goals from him. I'm looking for him to bring that all-around game that I see from him when he did play for Minnesota. And if you look over the Minnesota uh, fans, if you look over their chats and their threads, they weren't happy about seeing Coonan go just as much as Preds exactly. fans weren't happy about seeing Benino go. So it's one of those – it's so one of those trades where the other team's fans were like, no, why did you let that guy go? Right. Like, why? So I think it can be a great trade for both teams. I think the Minnesota Wild are going to get some a lot of great value out of Benino. And then I think to the, uh, get a huge need from Coonan, I'm looking for him to be able to pace this next season. Now, obviously, it's going to be a much shorter regular season, not 82 games. So he's not going to maybe get to that – Total, but a 20 goal pace is something that I would consider a breakout season for Coonan. I'm uh, super pumped to have him. So, those are kind of our breakout players. Thank you, Rich, for joining me. Again, follow Rich on Twitter at Rich underscore how underscore nine. He is a contributor for Predlines.com. Me and him both collaborate on content um, on Predlines.com, and I'm really happy to have him. He will be joining me again in Thank future you. episodes. And, uh, that, those are our breakout players, and when, when I get when I get back to the next segment, I'm going to be joined by Colin, another site expert for Predlines.com, and he is going to be talking with me about a wide range of topics to get into as we close out the first episode of Catfish on Ice podcast. back 
on the Catfish on Ice podcast, the first episode for Catfish on Ice brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Going into the last segment today, I want to get into some quick hitters, some quick topics we were going to hit. And I got Colin Bluen joining me. He is a site contributor for Predlines.com, covers a lot of really awesome stuff. And I'm very excited to have him join me for this uh, quick hitter segment. We're going to hit some really uh, topics that everyone's talking about. Uh, Colin, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a it's a chilly day up here in Cincinnati, and uh, reminds me of hockey weather. Hopefully, we get back to it soon. But hanging in there. Wow, I had no idea that you lived all the way up in Cincinnati. That's I learned something new about you just now. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, so. Uh, yeah, so we're about to hit some quick topics. By the way, go follow Colin on Twitter at Colin Bluen. Uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, he knows his stuff. Awesome guy. So let's get into some quick hitters here. What's on every hockey fan's mind right now is obviously when is next season going to start? You got a, a big battle going on in the NHL and the NHL Players Association. They're almost at a stalemate, it seems like, but small progress does seem to be being made. They are talking again, at least. Um, they're, they're talking about basically the whole landscape of how's, how's 2021, 20, 22 going to be affected. You've got the expansion team, Seattle Kraken coming in. Uh, they're trying to get this season in. They're trying to cram it in. You got the Olympics coming up later this, uh, later this summer. That's also impacts, uh, getting this season started. So like Colin, how do you feel this? Do you feel more confident now? Do you feel less confident? Um, how, how do you see both sides going with this? I mean, it's it's tough. It's it feels so on brand that there's a labor dispute within the NHL and NHLPA. I mean, it's just kind of par for the course. It feels like these days, um, it, it seems like anything that can cause labor dispute will cause labor dispute. Uh, at this point, it, it's I mean, it's frustrating for fans because I think the bubble went so well. Like when you look at comparisons to like Major League Baseball had you know major outbreaks. Even the NBA had some some bubble, I guess, uh, breaches for lack of a better term. Whereas the NHL had you know it was like what 798 tests and no positive cases whatsoever. And so yeah, they, to go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah they uh that they really got through the bubble and it was pretty incredible how they. You know, of course, it's, you can't compare them to sports that aren't in bubbles because obviously that's a whole new set of challenges. But the NHL really did do an outstanding job doing the bubbles. And so it gave us new hope. You know, it gave us new hope that like, OK, NHL might actually be able to be a leader by example in the sports world when it comes to running a uh, running a nice operation. But now we find ourselves in this current landscape. Uh, how do you see this shaking out, Colin? I, I don't think I see it going badly. Uh, honestly, how do you see it? I mean, I kind of I tend to agree with you, and that's what the frustrating part is, is because I mean, you think back to that, everything went so well. How, as you know, from a leadership perspective, how do they not, you know, proactively have that discussion of saying, okay, we're in this bubble now, we know what the players think is positive about, it, what they think is negative about it. How can we take this into creating a season and then you know get 2021 activated? And for them, it was like the sole focus was 2020 and getting 2020 season included which i can understand but at the same time like you gotta have the foresight of understanding where the business is at and so from the nhl perspective it's like you need a season like you have the most positive momentum as far as brand recognition as far as fan interest that you've had in the history of the game i mean nobody hockey has not had the level of interest it has you know until now and so you don't want to lose that momentum and from the players perspective you know they want to just play hockey and i get it but they also want to get you know, they want to get paid. They don't have these contracts like the NBA, like the, you know, like Major League Baseball or the NFL. 
scale even. And so, you know, I get that they want to make sure that they're paid fairly for their labor, but there's going to be some, there's going to have to be some, you know, some compromises there. You're not going to be able to get, you know, I think from the, the the owner's perspective, it's like, well, if we can't play a full season, then why are we going to pay you the full contract? And from the player's perspective, it's like, that's not our choice. It's because we keep delaying these conversations instead of just, you know, doing what we need to do. And I get that they lost money on, on the bubble. I mean, without having fan attendance, like that's already hurting owners. But the more we go without hockey, the more legitimacy we lose as a league. And so that's frustrating on that side of things. I think it's not going to, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough. I think that, you know, as far as who's going to cave, it's probably going to be the players, unfortunately, um, which means that, and, you know, I think I foresee that this, you know, down the road is going to lead to another labor dispute because the players are going to look back at this year and say, we caved for this because we yep. wanted to have a season in 2021. And that's going to lead to further issues, which who knows what that could carry with it, especially with the expansion on the horizon. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said there, Colin. Um, it's uh, It's not a good look at all. For the league right now and it's when you when you count the like we all love the nhl we're diehard fans but it's still a very niche sport in the grand scheme of things and you're trying to bring new fans into this beautiful sport and when you haven't played uh normal hockey games in a long time you take i mean the bubble was a success you know like i mean there was a lot of exciting series i, th I think it might have pulled in some new fans but you're lo losing all that progress you made with what's going on now. And it's a lot of it has to do with the league, uh, Gary Bettman, he's posturing. He's, you know, he's saying that the media is not portraying it properly. So, you know, he's kind of coming off like that evil villain almost. And it's just, it's a bad look all the way around. I do think they are going to eventually get it settled, but the, you know, the, the damage has already been done. It's, it's, they just haven't looked good on this. Yeah. Gary Bettman's being Gary Bettman as we, as we kind of can anticipate that he would be. But I mean, for me, the thing that kind of surprises me is that we haven't seen more or heard more from the broadcast networks. Cause you think of like the Fox sports regional networks, they've got to be hurting because all they have is college sports to go off of right now. And hockey was a major contributor to their Absolutely. weekly, you know, their weekly schedules. Um, on top of that, you know, you got the new deal with ESPN plus. So they've got games now showing on ESPN plus, and that just happened last year. And so you're looking at the year going forward and it's like, okay, well now ESPN plus is lost in content. And really, I think that was more of a deal for the NHL because, ESPN is just a broader brand. It goes to, you know wider to more more of an audience, and so now the NHL is losing that opportunity to engage that audience. Um, and then also you got you know of course NBC, which I mean, granted they're getting plenty of stories to write on there, you know that, that side of things, but at the same time they're not broadcasting games. So outside of you know Notre Dame football and you know Sunday night football, um, NBC Sports isn't getting a lot of play other than maybe some like Olympic relun reruns and a few college sports here and there. And so they've got to be hurting just to get some hockey back because you know they've yep. got the uh, the game of the week, they've got the you know they've got just the weekly you know the nightly games uh, throughout the week. Um, you know they, they've got to figure. I mean, I'm sure broadcast networks are hurting for that. And that's ad revenue that's leaving the broadcast networks, and it's ad revenue that's leaving the NHL because, you know, they get a, they get a piece of that whenever they're playing games that are broadcast on these networks and the regional networks especially, they rely, rely more on that ad revenue than anybody else. And so um, I, I'm curious to see how long it takes before those groups start to weigh in, if it gets to that point. Uh, I mean, it, it totally depends on, you know, the NHLPA, obviously, and the NHL um, and where their discussions are at, but these networks can't be happy about um, the loss of time that they're seeing and, and this dispute as it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all the points you made there, 
really outlines a very complicated uh, situation. I do think they're eventually going to get this squared away. We're looking at a mid-January start date. That's the latest. Uh, now I'm going to get to something that's a little bit more exciting, a little bit more positive, and that's this report I've seen about possibly teams are exploring the possibility of outdoor games. Um, you know, obviously outdoor games are a great uh, marketing tool for the sport. It pulls in those casual fans more because it's just – more visually appealing on TV. It's more interesting. Um, the the Winter Classic usually does really well um, TV ratings wise, and so I, I, you know, I don't blame these teams for looking into every possibility. They're looking for any way right now to um, fix these financial issues that are, you know, that are happening now and are, quite frankly, going to continue even when this next season gets going because you know there's not going to be fans in the stands, and the, a league like the NHL really does rely on fans going into the arenas, um, especially these teams that regularly sell out their arenas like the Nashville Predators. And so um, I think it would be cool if they can pull it off. I just don't have a lot of uh, faith that they are going to be able to pull it off. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, it's not cheap to run an outdoor game. So they got to make sure if they're going to go down this road and do an outdoor game at a Fenway Park or, you know, somewhere like that, they got to make sure that it's it's going to go well on on both on television and all this other stuff how do you feel about it how do you feel about this report of um outdoor games i think it's great in theory and i think the fans would love it i think it's just it's about execution like you said it's it's how expensive it costs to produce the games and be in that outdoor venue um, but also the venue you utilize i mean if they utilize let's say nissan stadium for the preds um easily could hold as many as many fans as Bridgestone plus some uh, and still socially distance them. But at the same time, you know, what does Nissan Stadium get out of it? Because they're going to want something out of it. And depending on where the Titans are in their season, um, when does that game occur where it's cold enough that they can do it? And granted, with technology, you can create an ice rink pretty much anywhere these days. Um, but at the same time, like, you still want it to feel like it's uh, it's hockey season. And so by the time we get into March, you know, obviously our, our window is probably very short between, you know, end of January uh -huh. and then February and then late February. By that late February time, you, you probably can't hold much, you know, in some, of these, in some of these cities. So I think that's one thing to think about is just the logistics of it. Uh, is it great on paper, or at least, you know, from the eye test perspective and the fans' perspective? Absolutely. Um, logistically, is it possible – we'll have to see the jury, the jury saw, I would love to see it. Um, it's just a matter of it is, is this the season to do it? And I get that, you know, the pandemic has kind of accelerated that because we want to be outdoors. We want to be socially distanced. We want to create a safe environment. Um, but it almost feels like you need more time to go into the logistics of this. You need more time to really play it out and make sure it's a smart move for, for all parties involved, for both the venue, for both the teams, um, whoever's hosting all, all those things. And for the fans too, make sure the fans can engage uh, in some form or fashion. Um, I think it's one, it's one solution to the revenue stream that's been lost by the, you know, the loss of hockey uh, as well as the, you know, the postseason that was, moved into the bubble last year um another thing i would I'm, I'm surprised that nobody's really like i mean i'm sure they'll probably conceptualize it down the road but you know start start broadcasting you know they've got this giant you know screen in bridgestone arena start broadcasting away games and let people rent out socially distant pods and come watch away games in bridgestone arena still have that you know fun environment where people can you know socialize with fellow predators fans um you know be in the arena so it feels like you're almost there and then have the the games being broadcast where they can just watch them live um and charge you know obviously 
you're not yeah. going to charge them the same uh, that you would charge for a regular regular season game tickets, but you can charge them you know, a small entry fee and raise some money that way. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different ideas. I think we're going to see a lot. I think I think the NHL as a whole, as well as the teams individually, um, their marketing and promotions teams are going to have to work overtime. I mean, it's just going to take a lot of marketing promotions to get the fans mm-hmm. uh, engaging, not only from a fan perspective yep. as far as like just watching and views, but from revenue. I mean, they just they need to generate revenue somehow. I think Seattle, it, that's one of the godsends of this whole situation is that Seattle is coming. And so with the new franchise, you get the new franchise fee, but you also get fans that are engaging and uh, purchasing merchandising and things like that. And so, and not only that, they're just watching hockey because they want to get, they want to familiarize themselves with the sport before they get a team, and so that CL expansion helps from the viewership perspective, but also the revenue perspective too, because it'll generate some revenue uh, as they really get going with their uh, expansion efforts. Yep, absolutely, and of course, you know, naturally, Nashville Preds fans, when they hear about an outdoor game being in Nashville, that's something we've been pushing for for a while. You know, it's oh, something yeah, that's like. Game one of those things and yeah the all-star game was awesome and it was a wild success uh and so now it's like oh we want to host a winter classic and so now you naturally see these reports i think we're you know i don't think i definitely don't think nashville is going to be able to host a game um this season in this climate and this and everything going on but i do think a winter classic is down the road for the preds i think it just makes sense i think the nhl realizes that but we'll have to wait and see if we actually do see some outdoor games. It would be awesome if they can do it in a safe manner. Uh, but that was, I found that a, as a very interesting report when I when that popped up. And I was like, wow, they're exploring outdoor games. That would that'd be cool if they could pull it off. All right, let's get into one last topic here on these quick hitters. This is something that everyone's talking about, and it is the division realignment. You're talking about an all-Canada division. Um, to, to help with this whole, you know, with, with the COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, not being able to travel over international borders, you've got all these uh, Canada-based teams. So the NHL's uh, coming up with division realignment, which honestly does spark a lot of interest. You know, like doing this like temporary division realignment is going to make things very interesting because – you're gonna you're gonna bring up some old rivalries. I'm gonna go down real quick and talk about uh, uh so Greg Wasinski of uh, ESPN.com, uh, great guy, covers a lot of awesome content for the NHL. He put out recently what he's hearing about the new division realignment, and I'm just gonna run down real quick who the, which new teams could possibly be joining the Preds division. You've got the Detroit Red Wings, old division rival. That'll be fun. You've got uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, which there's no love lost there for Preds fans. Um, they joined the division. That's going to be interesting. Uh, you got the Tampa Bay Lightning, <laughs> just won the Stanley Cup. Oddly enough, in the Preds history, they've fared really well head-to-head against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, But still, obviously a great team. <laughs> they're joining the division. That's tough. You got the Florida Panthers. You know, They're another middle-of-the-road team, French playoff team. And then, of course, the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team that the Preds used to beat up on all the time in the division back in the day. But they're a much better team now, obviously. So that sounds like a lot of teams, if you take out the Red Wings, um, joining. But then, of course, you're losing the Dallas Stars. You're losing the Minnesota Wild, the Colorado Avalanche, who a lot of people have as their Stanley Cup favorites, and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Leave your division. You keep St. Louis and you keep Chicago. So um, I'm interested to hear from you, Colin. Do you think that the uh, if that ends up being the division alignment? Do you actually think that the division is getting harder, or 
to getting easier or for the like their path to maybe making the playoffs? Or do you think it's all a wash and it's you know it's it's going to be tough no matter what? I think I think it's going to be tough no matter what uh, for sure. I think I mean it gets harder whenever you put a Stanley Cup champion in your division, right? So like the Lightning, we played well with them against them in the past, but you know obviously that they're the best team in the NHL until someone says they're not, you know, until someone beats them and knocks them off that pedestal. Yeah. So, you know, that's one thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Granted, we do have one of their, you know, one of their former assistant coaches is now one of our assistant coaches. So I'm really excited to see what he brings to you know, the team in terms yeah. of insight. So that's one thing I, I think, you know, with the, the Blackhawks are getting better. They're on the up and up. The blues have been, you know, pretty solid um, blue jackets. It, it seems like they're either boom or bust. And, and that's kind of, I feel like in, in a year that might feel like a wash, especially with a shortened season, who knows what we're going to get out of the black, the blue jackets. Uh, it's good to have the Red Wings, Red Wings back. And especially from just a national perspective, um, you think about when the predators were founded, you know, obviously there's a, the Saturn plant was in, uh, in a, near Spring Hill, Tennessee. And, and a lot of predators fans were Red Wing, you know, transplants from Detroit. And so uh, that, that's something that's going to be cool. I think fans have been clamoring to see that rivalry kind of reignited a little bit, even though the Red Wings are, you know, where they are as far as, you know, historically or, you know, recently, where they've been uh, talent-wise and record-wise, historically, you know, still a great franchise. And it's always kind of uh, – that's one of those, those teams wherever the Predators, you know, step on the ice of them, it seems like you throw the records out and you just say, you know, what's going to happen in, in this game and, and who's going to win it um, because there's, there's no love lost between the Predators and Red Wings. Panthers is an interesting one. Um, just because they were the expansion team before the National Predators were the expansion team, right? So there's there's some history there, especially because yep. our first captain, yep. you know, was a Florida Panther. So there's there's a lot of long history there. But they're actually, like you were saying, you know, they're improving, you know, a good deal lately. Uh, especially, I think this past season, you know, they they improved a lot after the the season had continued um, to go on as normal and not necessarily in a bubble. I think they might have even fared uh, even a little bit better. Um, with the Penguins, obviously there's no love lost there, especially at the Cup. That's still fresh on you know National Predators fans' minds, um, especially after you know game game five when uh, Sidney Crosby was pulling the mess that he was pulling on PK Subban, pushing his head into the ice. Um, Why are you that, gonna that, bring that, that up? I know that image is seared in my head. Yeah, the fact that he wasn't suspended or even fined, it's just it shows that it shows how NHL feels about Sidney Crosby. But the one that the one thing that's interesting to me, and it's it's cool to see the Predators gain their rivalry back with the Red Wings, but then we don't we don't talk about the Penguins lose their rivalry with the Flyers. The Flyers look like they're going out to the East Division. And so that's gonna, you know, that's yeah. gonna I, I hate it, but I don't hate it for the You're Predators. Definitely breaking Penguins. up rivalry. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be interesting. I think that the division as you know, as it, it's kinda of laid out, it, it's tough. You know, I think that losing honestly, you know, the fact that we aren't in a division with the coyotes, the avalanche, the stars, I think that kinda of helps us, even the wild. Um you know, I think that those teams are kind of ones that play us tough, uh, especially the avalanche, though the ones that well, you know, like you said, they're the Stanley Cup favorites. Yeah. Well, and also uh also what's this uh this division realignment is also – I think it's going to make things a little more unpredictable because you're going to have teams that don't play each other as often, don't know each other as well. All of a sudden now they're going to be playing them, playing each other on a more regular basis. You know, we'll have to wait and see how this schedule is built with 52 or 56 games, which is the last – the most recent report is they're saying the season could be 52 or 56 games. Um, that's kind of what they're targeting with the mid-January start date right now. So, you know, I'm not a schedule maker, so I don't know exactly how they're going to build this, how many division games you're going to play, how many outer division games, all that stuff. We'll have to wait and see. But you're definitely going to be playing more often teams that you don't normally play. So that can make things, you know, a lot harder to predict. You know, I you know, I don't have the exact you- record in front of me, but I know the pressure. 
the Preds generally play pretty well against the East. Um, so who knows? I mean, I think it makes things wide open right now as far as, you know, trying to predict what's going to happen next season. Good luck to you um, because it's going to be really hard to, to predict what's going to happen next season. I think it's going to feel more like a playoff format almost because, you know, with the playoffs, you just – the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. You're playing teams that yeah. you don't necessarily play on a regular. And so um, it, by the time – if, you know, if we can get through the gauntlet of teams we have to play, you know, by the time we get to the playoffs, it's going to feel like we're going to, we're used to that mentality of always having to kind of refresh and adapt um, and overcome the challenges that you play, you find yourself, you know, facing in-game. So, um, well, I think that it's going to make the regular season challenging. I think it's going to make – whoever comes out of it more battle tested and ready to go when the playoffs roll around. So I'm really excited to see that happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, those are, the, those are the quick header hitters for this uh, pilot episode of catfish on ice. I want to thank uh, Colin Bluen for joining me. Some fun topics there, some interesting topics. Um, I'm sure they're going to keep rolling out as the uh, new season gets closer and closer. Uh, join me on future episodes as well to talk more quick hitters. Um, Follow Colin on Twitter at Colin Bluen. He is a site contributor for Credlines.com for the fan sided network. He puts a lot of really unique articles out there. He's a fun, he's a fun follow. He, re, he puts out a lot of good content. So go follow him on Twitter. Thanks, Colin. I will talk to you next time. And I'll and we're coming right back to close out our first episode of Catfish on Ice Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast. Thank you, Chad. Uh, unique is generous. I appreciate it. <laughs>
And if you're ever in Nashville, you need to go see a concert at Ascent Amphitheater. Um, go check out their website and see some of their shows that they do have planned all, going uh, all the way up into next summer of 2021. Um, you got Jimmy Buffett, you got Alicia Keys, Goo Goo Dolls, the Black Crows. They always book blockbuster big time uh, artist for their venue. And so remember that if you're planning on going to Nashville next year or in the future, go to Ascend Amphitheater and see a concert there. Even if it's a band that you don't think you would, you know, put on the top of your list to go see, just go there anyway. Ascend Amphitheater. It's right on First Avenue, right downtown. It's right in the entertainment district. Uh, it's the acoustics are amazing. Um, definitely in the summer go there because the weather is going to be perfect. So that's my entertainment spotlight of the week for Nashville. I'll bring another one to you in the next episode. Ascend Amphitheater. Go check out that concert venue. It's awesome. Um, so here we are. First episode's over of Catfish on Ice podcast. I appreciate everyone dropping by and listening. I plan on bringing you a lot more episodes covering the Predators, covering entertainment in Nashville, having some fun. Please reach out to me on Twitter at Chad underscore Minton. I uh, love to talk to people about all kinds of stuff. It doesn't even have to be about hockey, but obviously hockey is my passion. I love covering the Preds. I love covering the beautiful sport of hockey. So please reach out to me on Twitter. Thank you for the Hockey Podcast Network for allowing me to start this podcast. And I look forward to bringing you more episodes in the near future. Until then, until our paths, paths cross again, my name's Chad Mitten, and I'll see you next time.